So for an example, if when I bought my property, I just had to put a 5% deposit because I'm a resident in the UK, but you might find that because you're not a resident, you're having to put like 50 or 75% deposit of what the property value is. Hi guys, welcome back to the Unpack podcast where we chat about all things property and finance related. If you're thinking of purchasing a property in the UK as a foreigner, then this episode is for you. Hi, hi, Loretta. Um, so my name is Curtis, I'm Curtis Blue. I'm based in the UK, I'm based in London. Uh, I'm a property investor, so I invest in properties in the UK. So I do a few strategies, um, you know, buy to lets, your rent to rents, your rent to HMOs. So those are some of the strategies that I do in my property, you know, property journey, my property investment. I've uh, been investing in properties for over two and a half years now. Um, so I'm still growing. I'm still learning because um, you, you can never stop learning when it comes to property. So, yeah, that's that's me in a nutshell. Can you tell us more about your property investment journey? So how or rather why did you decide to go into property? And tell us more about your first property. I was in the courier business, so I had a flit of vans. However, every year I used to lose a van. So it is a mechanical or someone had an accident. And while I was investing, I wasn't making a lot because every, every time I had to purchase a new van, so my cash flow wasn't there. I wasn't creating any generational wealth with that type of business. So I thought, you know what, let me just deflate, sell all my fleets or sell all my vans and start in property because I wanted to create generational wealth. I wanted something that was more, you know, risk-free. Well, there's not, it's not necessarily 100% risk-free when you invest in property, but there's, I feel like it's 90% risk-free. So you're literally just sitting down, someone is just paying money into my account every month. So that's the reason why I started in property, just to create generational wealth for the kids, for, for my mom, for my family. So if anything wants to happen to me, they've got something to fall back to. Um, so when I started, I started off with rent to HMO. So what a HMO is, it's a house of multiple occupants. Um, so I don't know what you guys call it in essay. So is it multiple lets, I think? Um, so where you've got more than four people staying in one in one house. So I mean, rent to HMO is I started approaching landlords that had this type of properties and they wanted guaranteed rent every month regardless. They didn't want to worry about, you know, the repair costs, the maintenance costs of the property, the paying of the licenses, the renewal of the firelight and all that kind of stuff. Because with the rent to rent, when I take a property off you, um, I guarantee you your monthly rent regardless. I I guarantee to maintain and repair the property and to pay for any licenses that need to renew it during my contract. So that's how I started. Um, I picked up two of them. So I picked up a five bed and a six bed and there was no money down. I didn't have to put any money down. So literally I started making money as soon as I took that property off that landlord. She didn't want a deposit. She didn't want anything. I didn't have to pay anything. Literally it was just signing a contract, handing over the property to me for a year with an option to, re- to, re- to renew the contract after the year. And since then, that's what I've been doing, rent to HMO, literally no money down type of deals. I'm not having to invest anything. But from the back of it, every month, I'm making a cash flow of between 500 to 600 pounds every month. So before we actually dive deeper into the topic of HMOs, I want to know more about the process of purchasing a property in the UK. So from the time you view it to the day you get your keys, can you tell us about what happens in between? It's, it's, it's literally the same, but it depends on what stage of the property journey you're in. So if you're buying a family home and you're buying it for the first time, you're considered a first-time buyer. So being a first-time buyer, you can take advantage of some of the schemes that the government has got. 
So, you know, um, the UK government can offer you things like the help to buy loan where they offer you 20% loan towards your deposit. So if the property is worth 200K, the government will give you 20% of that plus your 5% deposit. So I think the good part as well is, you know, you can you can buy a property with 5% deposit if you don't want to get the help to buy loan. Um, but it's literally the same thing. You view the property. Um, if you're buying a new build, you view the property, you know, you, you, you pay your reservation fee for the property to be reserved. You get in touch with your lenders. You do what we call a decision principle. So a decision principle is where they do a credit check to see if you're eligible for the mortgage and how much you can borrow. So the decision principle will cover things like your affordability. Can you afford to pay the monthly rents? Can you afford the property itself? So from there, they look at things like your outgoings, your ingoings, have you got any credit cards? Um, when are you looking to retire? Um, and then from there, you appoint your solicitors. And from your solicitors, you go through back to your lender. With your lender, you go through, you know, they advise you on what products they think is best for you. You see where you're choosing like a two-year fix, the five-year fixed product. And then you look at things like your life insurance, you know, your builders and contents insurance for a property. And then you exchange, um, you know, you, that's when you exchange the solicitors exchange and you pay your STEM duty, um, which at the moment that's been put on pause due to the pandemic. So, Oh, so STEM duty is your taxes to the government, right? Yeah. So yeah, we call it STEM duty. Um, STEM duty is basically what you pay. It's like 3% of whatever the property is worth, depending on how much the price. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And how long does the process take? So from the day I decide that I'm buying to the day where I receive my keys? Um, sometimes it depends on you as a person. So kind of like going back to when I used to work in, in the bank. So we used to do with mortgages and stuff. It, it depends on you as a person. So for an example, if there's things that we pick up on your bank statements, because those are some of the things that we require to see your bank statements, your pay slips. So if there's something that's not making sense, they're going to ask for more information, more proof. So what I always say to people that are not on the property ladder is, yeah, is you know, when you do so, when you want to get onto the property ladder, just make sure that your, your statements, your bank statements, your outgoings, you can account for everything on there. So if they ask you a question, you're not having to then go look for the answers for that. You've literally got it on, the, on, the, on your fingertips. Um, so two months, month and a half, um, at the moment, it's delaying because if, let's say, for example, you're using the help to buy, there's a lot of backlog. So they're trying to work through it as fast as they can. Um, but two months, I'll say two months is normal. You know, two months, you'll be getting your keys. You'll be moving into a new home. Okay, that's that's good to know. So I'm right now, based on what I've learned from everybody that I've interviewed and spoken to on the podcast, most countries pretty much have the same time frame. So between two to four months, depending on circumstances and whether we're facing like a global pandemic or not so yeah but Curtis let's go back to the topic of HMOs so for somebody you explained what is an HMO but now I want to know more about the legal aspects so do you need a license to um, start like earning money from an HMO and how exactly does it work so in the UK it's you know we're fully compliant so everything has to be fully compliant so you have to register for your local council. You have to be on a HMO list. So the property that you get, there's certain requirements that they need the room to be the room sizes. Um, so you have to comply with that. You have to make sure you've got things like fire lights, fire doors, you know, your fire alarms are always tested every certain period of time, every six months. Um, so your licenses are always renewed every certain period of time. So you're fully, you have to make sure that you're fully compliant. 
failure to that, you get fined, and the fines can go up to like thirty thousand pounds if you're not if your farm not fully compliant in what you're doing. So, which is different from from like I know with ESA, you don't have to be fully compliant. You don't need to have fire doors, fire lights. You don't need to register with any local authorities. But with the UK, you need to register with the local authorities. They need to know that you're running a HMO. They need to come and check your HMO and make sure that your HMO is fully compliant. So it's it's a long process that you have to go through to make sure that your property is fully compliant. They offer you a HMO license that's like five years. Then after five years, you have to renew it again. If anything needed to be changed in the property, they'll come and inspect it again. And can you also share like some disadvantages and things that you have learned from purchasing, owning and managing HMOs? Um, some of the things with the disadvantages of HMOs is, for an example, if you're doing the rent to HMO and your property is not fully um, tenanted, so you're having to then pay rent on that property while you haven't got any you know, tenants in that in that property, if it makes sense. So the idea of it is, so let me just break it down, is I rent a property off, let's say, from yourself at, let's say, £1,400. And then what I then do is it's a five-bed property. I need to understand how much the rental income is in that area per room. So what I'll then do is I'll find tenants at, let's say, £500 per room or 550 for an example so that would give me a profit of just over 2000 pounds what i then do is i allocate 100 pound per room from the bills so that's i'm paying you 1400 rent plus 500 pound um, for the bills that i'm putting aside so all in all my outgoings are 1900 pounds and then i i know that my tenants that are in the property are going to pay me 2.5 that's the total that i get every month so 1.9 is my outgoings. 1.4 is going to the landlord, which is yourself. 900, well, the, the 500 pound is for, for the bills. So that includes your broadband, which is your, your internet, your electrical bill, your gas, your water bill, your council tax, um, your cleaners. Um, so if you do have a cleaner that's coming in every week to clean the property for the tenants. So that's what, what I consist of bills. So that goes to them. So I'm left with 600 profit every month. So you will find some people say, if I'm going to do a rent to HMO, it has to give me a minimum of £600 profit a month. So that's what I tend to aim for. Regardless of what HMO I take on, I need to know that that HMO is going to make me £600 a month. But I think the disadvantages that I came across is, for an example, where the property, I've only got two out of five tenants in that property. And the landlord every month wants me to pay a 1400 rent. So those are the things that you need before you start. You need to kind of like budget for, be aware of any voids that might occur during your contract with that landlord. Okay, so as someone who is not from the UK and like personally, I'm from South Africa and let's say I want to purchase an investment property in the UK and I also would like to apply for a mortgage or get funding from one of the financial institutions in the UK. So is this possible for a foreigner? And also, do foreigners get like residency or citizenship if they purchase a property in the UK? It's different. So it's, it's like any other country. You, if you're not a resident in a country, it's difficult for you to get a mortgage. If you wanted to buy a property in the UK, I think there's avenues that you can look into to get that, to buy that property. So for an example, if you spoke to someone like myself um you could be like a, an investor i can buy a property on your behalf 
And every month I can guarantee you just certain returns, you know, for the money that you've invested, which is will be higher than what you'll be getting in your bank while your money just set in your savings account. But for you to get the property on your own, you need to be a UK resident. You need to have a footprint in the UK. They will do like things like credit score. They need to know your address history. But I'm sure there are lenders out there. It's not something that I've done research about. If you were to do research, that might consider it. But that means your deposit has to be higher than what a normal resident would pay. So for an example, if when I bought my property, I just had to put a 5% deposit because I'm a resident in the UK. But you might find that because you're not a resident, you're having to put like 50 or 75% deposit of what the property value is. And another question is, what are some of the best, I know I'm like asking for insider tips here, but what are some of the best locations for purchasing in the UK for first-time buyers? So up north, um, so I've got a few buy-to-lets up north. Um, so I know I can get, like at the moment, I'm currently looking at a property that's worth £30,000. Um, for me, it's cheap. Um, you can easily raise 30000 within a year if you wanted to. You can get a group of friends together, you know, chip in, whatever you could chip in and go buy the property. So up north, depending on which area you're buying in and depending on the rental income within that area. So those are the things you need to look at your return of investment. Um, does the property need any work? But up north, that's where most people are buying their properties. The reason why I'm saying up north as well is at the moment, the UK is building a railway line that will connect majority of the cities to London. So what that would do, that would give opportunity for people based in London to move out of London and be able to commute to work for, from wherever they will be staying. So for an example, if you're going to be staying in, let's say, Grimsby, literally the train line is running from Scotland to London. It's called the HS2. So that would give people like based in, because London is quite expensive. You can imagine living in London and you want to raise a family. It's going to cost you an arm and a leg. So once that's been built, you can actually go live in another city and be able to commute to London because this train will take you directly to London. It's going to be much cheaper as well. So Curtis, can you also share some other tips and strategies for potential first-time UK property investors? So if I want to buy in the UK and I don't know a lot about the market and how things are done there, so what other strategies are popular and um, apart from HMOs, what are other investors doing? Can you share like one or two strategies? Yeah, so some people use um, rent to service accommodation. So rent to service accommodation is, you know, Airbnbs. So same strategy. Um, you're literally renting a property off a landlord. You're guaranteeing them monthly rent regardless of what happens. Um, you're guaranteeing them that you're going to maintain the property and you're going to cover any repair costs that arise. And what you then do is you finish the property, you know, you do some work on it, make it, you know, make it look good, make it look to a standard of a hotel. And then from there, you just rent it out as an Airbnb. So from what you have to do, you have to just do your calculations just to make sure that, let's say, for example, if I'm at 75% occupants for the month, this is how much profit I'm making. If I'm at 25% occupants, this is how much I'm losing. So from there, it'll help you decide how much you're, your rate per night is going to be how much people you how many bookings do you need in a month for you to make profit because you have to pay the rent to the landlord you have to pay the bills as well um some people are doing um you know just rent to supported living so supported living is literally where you're looking there's people there's people that run businesses that look after vulnerable kids between the age of 17 to 25 
So those people would rent that property off you for a long period of time, three to five years, guaranteed rent for three to five years. And they tend to pay more than what your normal rental income would be in that area because the type of people they'll be housing in a property and the type of working is a business let as well. And then some people do your normal, you know, your buy to lets, you buy, you rent it out. Um, some people buy in auction. So you go to auction, you buy. Um, the strategy that I've had off of recently is what we call buy, refurb, rent and refinance. I hope I said it right. So it's like B-R-R-R. So you buy a property. Um, let's say you buy it at £50,000. You do some refurb on the property. So increase the value of the property. So the property is now worth, let's say, £90,000. Then after that, you refinance. So what it means, you're pulling money out of that deal. So you're now borrowing 75% of the new property value. So 75% of £90,000. So what that means is the money that you put in, let's say it cost you 60k to buy the property and refurb it. You're going to pull all that money out and then you can go buy another property. Speaking of Airbnb, um, are there any special licenses? Because you know like how in Singapore they are very strict about Airbnb and you have to have like a specific amount of people and they special licenses and you can also get fined if you don't respect the laws regarding Airbnb. There's actually been like a lot of reports about um, different cities, like major cities around the world where landlords or people in general are complaining about how landlords are focusing more on Airbnb. So this is making it hard to find long-term accommodation. So does um, do any rules like that apply in London or in the UK in general? No, you don't have to apply for any license. You can wake up today and decide, you know, I want to start an Airbnb. Um, you know, it's you don't have to do anything as long as the property is in a good condition that people would want to book it and you're getting good reviews from the clients that stay in that property. There's no regulation or anything of what you need to do, to be honest. You, like I said, if you decide to come back to Ireland and decided to start your own Airbnbs, you can literally do it. You're not regulated, but I'm not, I don't do that strategy. So I might not be the right person to ask, but from, from having conversations with people that do are in that do that strategy. Um, it's literally, you know, it's just straightforward. You can wake up and just do it. Can you tell us more about your company? So what exactly do you guys do? Um, so another thing that I'm looking at as well. So we do know that there's quite a lot of, you know, investors around the world that want to invest in the UK because they've, they've been told that the UK market is quite volatile in terms of property. You, there's money to be made when it comes to property. So we are looking for, when I say we, it's because I've got a limited company with, um, two of my friends, childhood friends that we grew up together. So we decided to go into property together. So we're looking for investors. And what we're saying to investors is, for example, if you were to you know, give me £10,000, um, I can guarantee you, let's say, between 10 and 12% return of your money, which is literally double what you'll be getting in your bank. So at the moment, your interest rates on savings accounts, they're literally, you're getting peanuts for your money so i can guarantee you that within six to 12 months yeah and with the whole recession the base rate is really low so you're literally getting nothing um so what we do that money that you give us we buy a property and we guarantee you that after six months we'll give you your money back with a bit of interest on top or we agree on a 12 month deal where after 12 months i'll give you your interest your money back plus your interest so for an example if you gave me ten thousand pounds you might get you know 1.2 um interest which 
in your savings account, that's going to take you probably three to four years to get that money back. And what we do with that money is we literally just buy properties or we do have some investors that we've been talking to that want to do what we call a partnership, which is a joint venture where we go 50-50. So they put 20K, I put 20K, we go buy a property, we do the refurb, we then refinance, pull the money out, plus a bit of profit. And after that, we're just enjoying the rental income that's coming from that property. So those are some of the things that we're working on, finding investors that want to invest in property, that have got money sitting in the bank, literally doing nothing for them. Let's work together. Let's get your money working for you. So you kind of like enjoying the, the fruits of your money and you're not having to do any work because we'll do all the work for you. If somebody wants to reach out to you and somebody wants to learn more about investing in the UK or they would like to partner with your company, how do people find you? So we, we do have a website. Um, so it's www.kvcogroup.limited.com. You can send us an email as well at info at kvcogroupltd.com. And we're, we're always hoping, open to setting up like, you know, your Zoom call, your office team calls, and we have a conversation. Um, we present the deals that we've got currently at the moment and how much we need and how much you can get back in the deals that we've got at the moment. And we also do have other property investors that if we can work with you at this moment of time, because, you know, you get investors where they want to invest more money. And at this moment of time, we're kind of like saying, no, we just want this sort of money. We do have other investors that we've worked with before that we can always refer them to yourself or to them to say, okay, we've got this investor. He wants to work. He wants to buy properties. What can you do for him? Because some investors do develop. So what they do is they buy land and they build properties and, and then they resell them. So where there is, that's when they need a lot of investors on that type of project. Awesome. Awesome. Curtis, thank you so much for all of that. I personally learned a lot. As usual, I'm always learning new things from our amazing guests. So if you want to start investing in property, but you're not quite sure how to get started or how to get funding, then you need to check out our ebook. It's called How to Finance a Property. This ebook has over 20 strategies that you can use to finance your first investment property. So whether you have a hundred rand or whether you have a million rand, there is a strategy for you in this book. And it's also kind of recommended that you stick to two strategies and not try and get into like all 20 of them. So do check out the book. It's on our website, unpack.co.za. In the book, I have different strategies from fractional investment strategies to property stock files and a breakdown of the laws and how to get started. So you do need to check it out. It also includes some amazing private and government-backed housing programs for residential and investment properties. So it doesn't matter if you want to purchase a property in the city, in the rural areas, or even the townships. There are different programs out there. There are ways to get funded. And all you need to do is just reach out. So do check out the book. It's called How to Finance a Property. Um, by Unpack Property Podcast 101. So yeah, guys, thanks again for listening. Love this episode? Make sure to visit our website, www.unpack.co.za to join the conversation, access the show notes and discover our fantastic bonus content. If you found value in the show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes or if you simply told a friend about us, that would be helpful too. Thank you for listening.